welcome to Second City Stars. My name is Miss Kendall, and we're reading through the Book of Psalms together. The Book of Psalms is in the Bible, in the Old Testament, which means it's in the first half of the Bible. It's a really long book, but today we're gonna read Psalm 92. In this Psalm, in the beginning part of it, it talks a lot about how um, it's good to sing to God, and it's good to make music to him and praise him. So let's read what the Psalm says. Lord, it is good to praise you. Most high God, it is good to make music to honor you. It is good to sing every morning about your love. It is good to sing every night about how faithful you are. I sing about it to the music of the lyre that has 10 strings. I sing about it to the music of the harp. Lord, you make me glad by your deeds. I sing for joy about what you've done. Lord, how great are the things you do, how wise your thoughts are. Those who do what is right will grow like a palm tree. They will grow strong like a cedar tree in Lebanon. Their roots will be firm in the house of the Lord. They will grow strong and healthy in the courtyards of our God. When they get old, they will still bear fruit. Like young trees, they will stay fresh and strong. They will say to everyone, the Lord is honest. He is my rock and there is no evil in him. So those were just some of the verses in Psalm 92. So the first few verses talk about how it's good to sing to God. It says that it's good to sing every morning about God's love. It's good to sing every night about how faithful God is, which means that he does what he says he's going to do. And so this just shows that God loves to hear us praise him. He loves to hear us worship, make music and sing. And I don't know about you, but I love singing. I love singing about God and to God, singing about the joy that God gives us. And so at the end of the Psalm, it talks a lot about trees. So it says that the people who, um, who love God and follow him will grow really strong and tall, just like trees. So think of a big tree, maybe in your yard or on your street. That tree, you probably can't break it, right? It's super strong. Its trunk is really, really big. There's no way that you can break it. And we even see um, when big storms come, a lot of the trees stay standing, even though there's a lot of wind and rain. And so that just shows how strong the trees are. So it says that in the Psalm, it says in verse 12, those who do what is right will grow like a palm tree. They will grow strong like a cedar tree in Lebanon. Their roots will be firm in the house of the Lord. So if we do what's right, if we follow God, our faith in God will be really strong. And just like the trees, when they stay standing, even when there's wind and rain, in other things that happen, those trees stay up strong. And so we can also stand strong just like those trees. So let's read verse two and memorize this. So you can repeat after me. 
It is good to sing every morning about your love. It is good to sing every night about how faithful you are. Psalm 92 verse 2. So we'll say the first part of the verse. It is good to sing every morning about your love. The second part of the verse, it is good to sing every night about how faithful you are. Psalm 92 verse two. And I love that verse because it just shows that it is good to sing all the time. It's always good to sing about God's love. It's always good to sing um, about how faithful he is, how he brings us joy, and about how um, he can be trusted. So we know that God loves us so much. He loves you, he loves me, and he loved us so much that he made a way for us to be with him forever. So he sent his son Jesus to earth to pay the punishment for all the bad things that we've done so that we don't have to. And Jesus came and died on the cross and then he rose again three days later just to show how powerful he is. And all that we have to do is believe that Jesus came and died on the cross and rose again. And then we can get to know God and we can be with God forever in heaven. So let's say a prayer to God and Thank him for all that he's done for us. Dear Lord, we thank you for sending Jesus to earth. And we thank you that you made a way so that we can be with you forever in heaven. We love you, God. And we just pray that you would be with us and teach us about your love and teach us more about who you are. And we thank you again for all of the love that you've shown us. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for joining me. Now let's sing some songs. This song is called Fruit of the Spirit. Fruit of the Spirit is, just remember that song. Great job, everyone. Our second song is I've Got Peace Like a River. All right, here we go. Ready? 
I've got peace like a river, I've got peace like a river, I've got peace like a river in my soul.
All right, hi, this is Roland Fisher, lead pastor of Second City Church, and we hope that you're well. Welcome to our online service. We hope you leave today encouraged, full of faith, and ready to take the kingdom of God wherever you may go. Before we get started today, let's consider this our lobby moment where we have an opportunity to get to know one another. If you would, please share your name and maybe from where you might be worshiping with us today. In just a moment here, you'll see a countdown letting us know that worship is about to begin, and you can prepare your heart during that time. But we just wanted you to know that we're so glad that you've chosen to join us today. And once again, welcome. Build 
Build your kingdom here, Lord. Use our church as a foundation. Build upon us, Lord. Use us as your tools, as your instruments to spread the gospel, to share the good news of you, Lord. That is what we need, Lord. We need your good news. So fill us anew this morning. Lord, we pray.
crowned in glory His face I at last shall see
day when freed from sinning I shall see thy lovely face both and in the blood washed linen how I'll sing thy sovereign grace come my Lord no longer tarry take my ransom soul away said nine angels now to carry me to realms of endless days hello and good morning everybody I'm Cole from Second City Church. We hope you had a wonderful Christmas and we're so glad to see you this morning. Uh, guys, um, if you're here and you want somebody else to come into this time of worship, please send them a message, invite them to our live worship service that is happening on our website. And then also you can send them to YouTube and Facebook where the online service will be as well. And then if you're here today and you need prayer or you want prayer or you even wanna share a praise report, click on that live prayer button and share your praises and also get some prayer. We have people standing by to help you with that. At Second City Church, you hear us talk about the three C's of Christ, community, and culture. And as we just celebrated Christmas, it is preeminent. So Christ, the one who came in human flesh to live the perfect life for you and I so that we can be made right with God. And so we want you to know him today. So again, click that button and we'd love to talk to you about who Jesus is and what he's done for you and how he loves you. And the second C is community. He gave us a new family called the church. We want to see you get involved. So as we end this year and go into the new year, make it a commitment. Get involved in the community of Christ by joining a community group so that you can know and receive all the grace he has for you through his church. And then the third C is culture. Why stop there? Let's get this news out to the entire world. God has a place for you to do that, to change the culture. Once again, you can click that button, live prayer button, talk to us, or you can um, go to our website, click the culture tab, and see the opportunities that are available. Okay, guys, we've got some announcements for you. So I want to let you know that on January 2nd, that Sunday after New Year's, we will be having church service at the Greenhouse Theater online as well. So please come. It'll be as normal, except there will not be children's ministry on that day. But you're welcome to bring them to service. And then January 10th through 14th is our annual prayer, fasting, and consecration week. And this year we're going to be focusing, focusing on Abide, the power and beauty of God's Word. So Second City Church and our Every Nation family of churches has always placed a high premium on the power, truthfulness, and benefit of Scripture. And once again, we're beginning our new year with a week of prayer, fasting, and consecration to see God reveal Himself to us through His Word. And so God reveals himself through his word by which he transforms and empowers us. So in 2022, we're calling everyone to a renewed commitment to read, understand, believe, and obey God's word. And so the Consecration Week devotional messages will focus on metaphors that refer to God's word. Go to Church Center, join the Abide Prayer, Fasting, and Consecration group, and you can get the devotional materials there for that week. And then starting on February 2nd, we have two things. Number one is the Purple Book Biblical Foundations class. Uh, we're going to be going through a 12-part uh, Biblical Foundation study series to cover the essential truths of the Christian faith, taught in such a way to where you are empowered to not only love Jesus and obey Him more, 
but to help others do the same. So please join us in person on Wednesday nights at the Mystery Center or online, and you can join via church center as well. And then going on, starting that same night, uh, February 2nd from 7 to 8.30 p.m. is going to be Leadership 215 Ministry Training Curriculum. Do you want to grow in your calling to make disciples of Jesus Christ? Are you possibly feeling called to vocational ministry? Either way, you'll want to join us for our next class in this 12-part series. Our class is going to be Church History, so you can learn about um, the historical perspectives and ancient wisdom uh, uh, to apply to the problems facing the church today. And through examples from church history, we will be inspired to attempt great things for God. You can register and get more information on Church Center about Leadership 215. And then college students, yes, that's you. Every Nation Campus Conference is going to be February 25th through 27th. And so this is a time where you can get together with other students, hundreds of students across the, the Midwest Central region uh, of our family of churches, and you can worship God and be empowered and encouraged together. Okay, guys. We're going to move into our time of giving. We've been going through the Old Testament, uh, looking at what God says about offerings. And so we find ourselves today at 2 Chronicles chapter 30, verse 15, which says, On the 14th day of the second month, one month later than usual, the people slaughtered the Passover lamb. This shamed the priests and Levites, so they purified themselves and brought burnt offerings to the temple of the Lord. Well, what is this saying to us today about giving? It tells us, number one, that God is holy. He's worthy of consecration and He's merciful. Because of His great mercy and love that He has given us in Jesus Christ, we have no need to be ashamed like the priests and Levites we read of here that were late in bringing their offering. It's better to bring a late offering when we recognize His worthiness than nothing at all because His mercies are new every morning. So as we end this year and go into a new one, let's leave shame in the dust and let's worship our worthy God as we consecrate ourselves and give Him what He deserves. Heavenly Father, we thank you that you have consecrated yourself in Jesus so that we can receive that consecration by faith. And God, we pray that today you would do that, that we will worship you as you deserve at the time that you deserve every moment of every day. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, we hope that you were able to enjoy that worship set and are once again so glad that you've chosen to join us for service today. Now today what we're doing is we're finishing our series called Majesty, where we're talking about the greatness, the splendor, the beauty of the God that we serve. And even as we've come out of the uh, Christmas and the Advent season, where we're celebrating the uh, first coming of Jesus Christ, again, in the point of majesty is that God himself had ordained and also anointed Jesus Christ, his son, to be King of Kings and Lord of Lords, who would not only make a first advent, but he would eventually make a second advent, meaning he would make a return to bring all of those who are waiting for him to himself. And so what we do as Christians on a daily basis is we look forward to the second coming of Jesus Christ, even as we celebrated during the Christmas season, his first coming. And so today what we're doing is we're going to finish this series by understanding some of the attributes of God, some of the attributes of Jesus and why we in fact worship him as he is and look forward to his second coming and order our very lives around who he is and our worship of him. And so today we're going to talk about this by focusing on this statement that we will worship Jesus fully 
when we distinguish between his communicable versus his non-communicable attributes. We will worship, come to worship Jesus fully when we distinguish between his communicable versus his non-communicable attributes. And we're going to explain what those are. Um, but before anything, we, we do anything else, let's pray. Because how we're going to break this message down is a little bit different today. Instead of going through our different points that we usually go through, we're going to use his attributes as our outline to understand his nature, his goodness, and why we worship him as he is. So let's pray. Father, we thank you so much for your word to us today and that you've given us through your word a clear understanding of the majesty of your son, Jesus Christ. And we thank you that God, even as we were made in your image, that God, you have given us certain communicable um, traits that are a reflection of who you are. But we worship Jesus because of the non-communicable attributes that you've given to him alone, that we might come to honor him, love him, and serve him as Lord of our lives. So God, we're praying that you would help us to understand this today. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, so... First of all, let me define the terms for you. When we're talking about the majesty of Jesus, there is a difference between the communicable versus the non-communicable attributes of God. Whenever we're talking about communicable attributes, because we are all men and women alike made in the image of God, what that means are there are certain attributes of God that can be shared with humanity. Meaning that as God has a personality, so we as human beings have a personality. Just as God has intelligent thought, so we as human beings have intelligent thought. Just as God himself even has emotions, so we as human beings also have emotions made in the image of God. A sense of reason and an understanding of a distinction between right and wrong given by God's nature, his character, written on our hearts by his law. But then there are certain attributes of God which are called not communicable, but non-communicable. And those non-communicable attributes of God are attributes or things about God that are represented in Jesus Christ the Son, which cannot be shared with the rest of humanity. Meaning that we worship God in his divinity. We worship God in his majesty. We worship God in his holiness because he's altogether different than his creation. He's altogether different than that which he's made. Though we are image bearers of God and have within ourselves as human beings certain attributes shared, those communicable attributes with God, there are non-communicable attributes that we do not share with God and thus evoke our worship to him as our King and Lord. And so we're going to go through at least nine of those today. And we're going to do so by uh, referencing a great, um, a great article that a ministry called InterVarsity really wrote to help um, believers understand those non-communicable attributes of God and really how to relate to God according to his majesty, his grandeur, and his holiness um, based on those attributes that he has alone. And so we're going to start with those. I'm going to list those attributes for you. And then I'm going to describe them to you as we marvel at the majesty of Jesus Christ. Those nine attributes are God is sovereign. Number two, God is omnipotent. Number three, God is omniscient. 
Number four, God is omnipresent. Number five, God is transcendent. Number six, God is imminent. Number seven, God is immutable. Number eight, God is infinite. And then number nine, God is alone, eternal. So let's go through each of those different attributes today and understand the majesty of God represented in his son, Jesus Christ, which is the very reason why we worship him as God and God alone. So let's start by talking about the sovereignty of God. When we're talking about the sovereignty of God, we're talking about the fact that God is the supreme being of the universe and God proceeds and is literally above, as it were, all things. Everything exists, it's under God's rule and authority, and since God is sovereign, we cannot praise ourselves for our salvation. Indeed, everything in our lives is ultimately a gift from God. That includes our lives, that includes our times, that includes the provision that we even think that we work so hard for. And in fact, we do work so hard for, but the ability and the opportunity for that provision is a gift from God. Your job is a gift from God. And so when we look at the life of King David, he strayed from God's will and suffered much, but he still trusted in God's sovereignty and God used David to bless people. Our believing God is sovereign gives us confidence that all things in our lives will work for good despite our suffering. So the very first reason that we worship God is because he is sovereign. And in his sovereignty, we know that God is ordering all the affairs of men, all the affairs of humanity. It doesn't matter what you and I choose to do. There are certain things that, uh, that are uh, pre uh, pre present in each and every one of our lives that are ultimately out of our control. Out of our control. And as soon as we come to grips with that, the sooner we'll be able to rest in the fruit of the Holy Spirit, which is peace, a tranquility, a harmony of our souls, knowing that though we cannot control all that is going on around us, there is a God who is sovereign, who is ultimately in control of everything that we see around us and everything that we experience. Now, because of that, that, that behooves us to do two things. Number one, it makes us want to be right with that sovereign God, because even if God calls me to a place or into a situation that I perceive in the natural to be uh, not preferential to me, or some people might see externally is dangerous, I don't know how often I get questions about life in Chicago because of how often people hear news reports about how dangerous the city of Chicago is. But what I say to people all the time is the safest place that you can be is right in the middle of the will of God. Why? Because he is sovereign, um, uh, controlling all the affairs of human history. And when I'm right with him, at peace with him, then I can have peace because of the fact that I know that he's going to work out all things for the good of those who love him, which includes you and which includes me as we turn to his son, Jesus Christ. That's the first incommunicable attribute of God is that he is sovereign. Though we have a participatory role in all of the events that are rolled out in human history, it does not mean that we're sovereign overall. Um, and what only that, only that attribute belongs to God alone, and that's why we worship him.
So number one is sovereignty. Number two is omnipotence. And the article in InterVarsity said this, that God is the most powerful being in all existence, able to accomplish his will, though unwilling to do anything contrary to his nature. We have a divine helper who enables us to persevere. As Paul wrote in his letter to the Philippians, I can do all things through him who strengthens me, which is Philippians 4.13. Our believing God is omnipotent, gives us strength, for we are not alone in our weaknesses. And that is the good news of God, that God, even though we are weak in our circumstances, I know that over the past several years in the midst of uh, family trials and health issues, I felt weak so many times, but in the midst of my weakness, I served and was connected to and plugged into an omnipotent God who never ran out of strength, who never ran out of power, who never ran out of solutions. And therefore, even as I was plugged into him, I was able to continue and my family was able to continue to move forward because we worship and serve an all-powerful, omnipotent God. And that's the God that we worship and we honor his majesty because of his omnipotence. There is no trial. There is no um, um, uh, adversary. There is no enemy. There is no circumstance that can come against the omnipotence of the all-powerful, almighty, divine God who expressed himself through his son, Jesus Christ. And in doing so, we too, as Paul said, can do all things through Christ who strengthens us. And that's why he says, I, I know what it is to be in plenty. I know what it is to be in want. That was the context of that Philippians verse. He says, but whether I'm in plenty or I'm in one as vis-a-vis -vis the pandemic, he says Christ and his omnipotence remains the same. And because of that, he is our rock. He is our anchor. He is our guide. And he is the one who helps us to move forward by his omnipotence, not our own. And thus we worship him in his majesty. Number three, God is omniscient. God is omniscient, which means that God knows everything of the past, present, and future. God knows everything actual and potential. Not only does God know all things, God also cares about everything and everyone. The book of Proverbs tells us that the eyes of the Lord are in every place, keeping watch on the evil and the good. Our knowing that God is omniscient gives us peace when facing life's uncertainties. Our God believing, I'm sorry, our believing God is omniscient assures us that God knows us and loves us. And that's a powerful thing, right? That there is nothing that escapes the sight of or the purview of God. He knows that we don't need to fear because he knows all the circumstances that are coming even before they arrive. He knows that we, when Jesus said to us, do not worry about tomorrow because each day has enough trouble of its own, he is able to say that confidently to us and put our souls at rest because of his omniscience. 
he knows that which has happened, that which is presently transpiring, and that which is to come. And when he says, do not worry, do not fear, but stay connected to him, remain in his word, and let his word remain in you, remain in a place of prayer, and then his spirit will abide in you, then what happens is that God is saying, you don't have to worry because I am with you. And if I'm omnipotent, but also omniscient, then my omnipotence is able to handle all that through my omniscience I already is know, I already know is coming your way. And that's the good news of God. We worship him because he knows the end from the beginning. And what's yet to come, he declares it by his prophetic word and says, do not worry, do not fear, I've got you. Now walk with me in my majesty and understand my protection, my, uh, my affirmation, and also my security that I give to you as you rest in the omniscience that I alone have. That's what God says to us by his word. But it also means that it's important that we also walk in the fear of the Lord. The fear of the Lord when it comes to what we do, not only publicly, but in the private place, right? Let me give you a few particular examples. People today would say to themselves, you know what, I am going to um, honor God publicly and present myself as a uh, pious or a religious person in the public sphere. But then if you have a significant other, or a boyfriend or a girlfriend, and um, you say, because we are committed to one another and may potentially one day get married, then we can live together and commit sexual immorality with one another because we have a uh, at least verbal commitment towards one another that will one day be ratified in marriage. But God said in his word that we, will, we need to avoid sexual morality, which is sex outside of marriage, impurity, which is anything that is uh, leading up to those things. We might otherwise call it foreplay, which is actually a pure thing within the bonds and the covenant of marriage. But it's like if you're doing that secretly, but then trying to present yourself piously in the public, what we need to understand is that God's omniscient and that his eyes are in every place keeping watch on the evil and the good. So there's nothing that escapes his sight. And the way that we live, we need to live a holy set apart life in our public place, in the public places, but also in our private lives as well. So that we're giving honor to the majesty and the grandeur of God whose eyes are everywhere. We worship him in his omniscience. Number four, God is omnipresent, which means that God is always present in all places. But what this does not mean is that God is not, what this means also is that God is not in all things. Okay, this is an important point. God is present in all places, but God is not in all things, which is a concept called pantheism. Christian theology has traditionally asserted that the person of God and the nature of created things are distinct, meaning that God is not in a tree or in a drop of water. And God is not 
in a person until that person is born anew of God's Spirit through faith in Jesus Christ. That's why Jesus said, unless a man or a woman is born again, they can't see or enter the kingdom of God. Why? Because in and of themselves, they are his creation, but God is not in them until his Spirit comes to live in them by the third person of the Trinity, the Holy Spirit. There's God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. And in He comes to make you a new creation through the gospel when you turn from your sin, you turn from your wrongdoing, and put your trust in what Jesus Christ has done for you on the cross by his death, burial, and resurrection from the dead. But then he comes to make a home in you by the Holy Spirit, not before. This claim that God's Spirit is not within all humans until they are born anew through God's self-initiated act contradicts the religious concept that we are sparks of the divine potential deities. Biblically speaking, we are all created in the image of God, but we are not all little gods. And that's important in our spirituality-saturated culture in the West today. People say they want to be spiritual and they feel like they're parts of the divine, but they're not. They're his creation, only having the ability to be made a home for the divine when they're born again. The psalmist speaks of the omnipresence of God when he writes, Where can I go from your spirit? Or where can I flee from your presence? If I ascend to heaven, you are there. If I make my bed in Sheol, you are there. If I take the wings of the morning and settle at the farthest limits of the sea, even there your hand shall lead me, and your right hand shall hold me fast. This was Psalm 139, verses 7 through 10. And our believing God is omnipotent gives us the joy that God is always with us. And again, we know this very intimately because on the heels of the Christmas season, remember, the angel said, you shall name Jesus Emmanuel, which literally means God with us. God with us. And as we go out into the world in the new year to make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything that Jesus has commanded us, we have a promise from God that he says, I am with you always in his omnipresence, even to the very ends of the age. Okay. Next one. We worship Jesus in his majesty because he is transcendent, which means that God transcends all creation and is unknowable apart from his self-initiated revelation. What we know about God comes only through God's revelations both general and special. And again, if you want to look at the difference between the two, you see the general revelation of God represented in Romans chapter 1. He says his divine nature and his eternal power have been clearly seen being understood from what has been made. We understand God and his divinity by his creation around us. We see his power around us by his creation, but it's only through special revelation where God comes and speaks for himself through Jesus Christ that we can actually know him practically and intimately. And what we see is that the first words of the Bible record that the transcendent God created the heavens and the earth, which is described as a formless void covered by darkness. 
Then God said in Genesis 1, let there be light. And there was evening and there was morning the first day, which means God stands above and outside of creation. That's what his transcendence means. He stands above and outside of. He's not limited by his creation. And all that God creates is good, though we all have gone in search of many schemes, distorting that which God made good. And that's why we need to be brought back to God and renewed in the knowledge of the image of our creator to actually have peace with him and walk in his blessings. You see, that's what ultimately sin comes down to. It's an issue of who has the ability to define your identity. The creator, or is it going to be you and the world around you in the distorted image that it's tried to apprehend from God? What we see is our believing God is transcendent gives us the understanding that our creator is not limited by the natural laws of this world. And that means that God can do miracles. God can do miracles in your life. God can do miracles in my life. I have a litany of miracles that I've seen God do in the physical. I've seen God do in people's emotions, in their souls, in their finances, in their lives. And God is a God of miracles who wants to show himself as a miracle working God to you. That is why we worship him in his majesty. But not only that, the next point is that God is imminent. God is imminent, which means that God is active in this world and in our daily lives, meaning that God cares about every aspect of our existence and existence and invites us to welcome his guidance, his grace, and his love into every part of our lives. Speaking of Jesus Christ, Paul wrote to the Colossians, he, meaning Jesus, is the image of the invisible God. So if you've tried to figure out who God is and how to relate with him, look to Jesus. He's the firstborn of all creation. For in him all things in heaven and on earth were created, things invisible and visible. He, meaning Jesus himself, is before all things, talking about his eternal nature, right? And in him all things hold together. This is Colossians 1 verses 15 through 17. Jesus, the very person of God, walked on the earth. And today God's spirit is among us, present in his people, imminent and active among the nations, changing the world in which we live. And our believing God is imminent in this world gives us assurance that God is with us despite the evils and sufferings we see in daily life. And so what we see is that when God is imminent, he is the exact representation. Jesus Christ is the exact representation of God. And if we are to know God, we must know Jesus Christ in his majesty and his alone. Because God in Isaiah said, there is only one God. He said he's God alone and he will share his glory with no other. Meaning that if I ultimately had children, which I do, <laughs> I have four, and ultimately somebody else came along and said, I am their daddy. I'd be like, no, no, no. 
not only because I was there when they were created, but I'm telling you I was there for their birth and I've been the one raising them. There is no other daddy for Mercy Emmett Shepherd and Iris Ray except Rollin Fisher. <laughs> and in the same way, God saying, listen, I am the imminent one intimately involved in your life. When you invite me to be Lord of your life, Jesus Christ says this to you. But then you give glory to him and him alone as the majestic one who is alone imminent in our lives. Next, it's also good to know that we can trust him in his imminence because he is immutable. Immutable. What does it mean that he's immutable? It means that he is without change. And God is completely, completely, completely perfect. And in and of himself, he's complete. There's nothing missing about him. There's nothing that he should have that he does not have. Therefore, God does not need to mature or grow better at being God. Every generous act of giving with every perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variation or shadow due to change according to James 1.17. And again, James was the half-brother of Jesus Christ who saw him in the flesh, saw his sinless life, saw his miracles, saw his death, burial, and then subsequent resurrection from the dead and became an eyewitness of these things, but was also a testifier to the immutable nature and the majesty found in the person of Jesus. Our believing God is immutable gives us the certainty that our world is essentially meaningful. For God is unchanging in his person and will not act unjustly. Though people might, God will never act unjustly. And he is not fickle like the people who disappoint us that surround us. God doesn't wake up on the wrong side of bed and decide to treat you differently than his word says. You can always go to his word, which will never change, which will never pass away, and know how God will treat you if you come to him according to faith in his word. It's because in his incommunicable attributes, he is immutable, unchanging. You and I need to grow. You and I need to change. God is perfect and remains the same. Next, we see that number eight, God is also infinite. God is infinite. And what that means is God is unlimited. As Jesus said in Matthew 19, 26, with God, all things are possible. With God, all things are possible, meaning that we are created with great potential for growth individually and in community. And our believing God is infinite gives us faith that our lives have a larger purpose than our years on earth. And that is the eternal life that Jesus invites us into. And that's why in John 3, 16, he said, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. The only reason that Jesus could say that is because God is infinite. And he calls you into that eternal life through Jesus, his son, which ultimately ends in this last attribute that God is eternal and God is not confined to three dimensional space or time. 
This is important for all of you Marvel lovers and for all of you who are continuing to contemplate the multiverse right now. Understand this about God. God never had a beginning and God will never have an end. He says, I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end, right? The psalmist says of God, long ago, you laid the foundation of the earth and the heavens are the work of your hands. They will perish, meaning your creation will perish, but you, God, endure. They will all wear out like a garment. You change them like clothing and they pass away, but you are the same and your years have no end. This is Psalm 102, verses 25 through 27. And this is the reality of an ancient of days who Jesus was given the designation of. When he came in, in his first advent, he was prophesied about speaking about the ancient of days. And the thing about him is that it means he's eternal without beginning or end. Though he was born in the flesh, he existed from eternity past in fellowship, perfect fellowship with the Father and the Holy Spirit. He wasn't lonely, but chose to create a family here on earth through those who would give themselves to him and follow him as Lord. And since we are created in the image of the infinite God, we have an eternal destiny. But it's an eternal destiny of either friendship with God, where you receive the reward of loving and serving him, or it's eternal destruction, separated from the eternal God in hell, because you didn't receive the sacrifice that he made for you on the cross of Christ. Our believing God is eternal, gives us an eternal hope. And that's what he invites you into by his majesty today. These incommunicable attributes of God give us biblical notion of the divine being we worship as Christians and help us discern between the biblical God and the idols of this world. And so as we go and prepare our hearts and minds for 2022, preparing our hearts and minds for a new year, may we worship Jesus alone in his majesty giving him the glory that he deserves for his incommunicable attributes, his sovereignty, his omnipotence, his omniscience, his omnipresence, his transcendence, his imminence, his immutability, his infinite nature, and his eternal nature. And may we receive the eternal life that he purchased for us on the cross that he alone could give to us because he alone was innocent and he alone rose in power from the dead because of that innocence. So today, if you hear this message and you say, you know what, I've had a picture of God in my mind, but it's been a distorted one. It's been one that has really been uh, pressed upon me by the thoughts of the world or maybe Wikipedia articles or some sort of search that you've done, but it's been a little bit off and not God revealing himself to you. But today you say, you know what? I, I see, I hear the ma about the majesty of Jesus and I want to respond to his good news. I want to respond to his gospel and serve him as he is. I want to be born again, made a new creation, and actually come into a right relationship with this King of Kings and Lord of Lords, who not only came during the Christmas season, but is coming again in power to judge all of heaven and earth. If that's you today, and you know you need to make your peace with God, would you pray this prayer with me? Almighty God, I admit to you today that I am a sinner. 
And though I've had a picture of you in my mind, I know that it's been imperfect, just like I've been. And I know that I have done wrong things against who you are, your nature, your commands, and your ways. And because of it, I deserve death, uh, a separation from you, death and hell, because you're good and I'm not. You're perfect and I'm a sinner. But I say that I'm sorry today. And I ask you to forgive me for my sins. I believe that you sent Jesus, your son, in his majesty to live the sinless, perfect life that I should have lived. And on the cross, die the sacrificial death that I should have died in my place. God, I know that because he was innocent, three days later, you raised him from the dead so that I could receive not only that forgiveness, but that new and eternal life in you. God, would you make me a new creation today? I proclaim Jesus my Lord, acknowledge his majesty, and ask you to teach me how to love him and follow him the rest of my days as you've loved me. Amen. Now the good news is, is if you prayed that prayer, God said he's made you a new creation. So would you go with me to our website, secondcitychurch.com slash new life. There you can find not only uh, resources, but next steps of how to walk out this new life in Christ with Jesus, whose majesty you're acknowledging today. There are also prayer counselors for you today. If you want to press on the button to it below, there are people who want to stand with you to encourage you in this new life in Christ. And for the rest of us, let's go back into worship now, thinking about, meditating on, and pondering the majesty of the Lord, which comes to not only uh, 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 present himself to us, but change us by the glory of who he is. He says he loves us and he's calling us to good plans and purposes for Christ's sake, in his glory, for his glory, and for your good in this new year. So let's go back into worship and honor him now as we think on who he is. Welcome back to worship. We ask that you just join with us. Suffering, though there's pain in the arms. 
All right, we hope that you were strengthened by that last worship set and are once again filled with the encouragement that comes from the knowledge of God's great love for you. We're going to continue to talk about these matters in our community groups this week. So if you've not yet found one, please do go to our website where you can find both in-person and virtual options. We'll be praying for you, so let us know how we can be standing with you. And also think about how you can share this link with others who also need to be spurred on by the grace of God towards them. Uh, do invite those same people with you to our service next week. And until then, have a wonderful week in the Lord. God bless you. We love you. And we'll see you soon.